You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. simple question. He wants to know. In Mark 15, 12, he says, then what do I do with the one called the king of the Jews? But it was too late. The crowd shouts out, crucify him. Crucify him. Jesus must die. And we know now that it was God's will. We know that Jesus was being obedient to God. They didn't know. They were choosing a murderer over an innocent man. Sin is so destructive. Today, Pastor Dave will point out how sin can take the minds and hearts of people who were created in the image of God and twist them to a point where they'll do the most foolish things out of rebellion against Him and His ways, even embracing a murderer over an innocent man, the Messiah they rejected. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 18 as he begins his message, I am Barabbas. You are The Gospel of John, chapter 18, beginning in verse 39. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. As I said, these are poignant scriptures that the Lord put upon my heart this morning. And... Hopefully I can share them with you in the vein that he gave them to me. It was incredible as I sat before him. I've been thinking about these scriptures now for quite some time. And I was really excited about getting here. Imagine, if you will, you're a prisoner waiting in a damp, dark, lonely cell. You are charged with stealing, murder, and insurrection. You have been sentenced to die on a Roman cross. You're not alone. There are others there because you have spoken to them silently. One of them you found out is a thief also. He too is sentenced to death. And as you hear the sounds of the soldiers coming into the pitch pitch dark dungeon, your body stiffens because you know that they're coming for you. You break out into a cold sweat and your stomach turns over and you begin to feel sick. You're overcome with fear because you know all too well the horrors of the crucifixion that awaits you. You've seen it too many times because you've even seen your friends die on that cross. But this time it would be different. This time it would be you. The soldiers enter your cell. They push you, they they shove you, and they almost drag you down the hallway, forcing you to walk. And as you get to the ramp that leads to the courtyard, your mind is spinning with fear and anxiety. And as you near the top, your eyes are blinded by the light of day because it's morning and the sun is rising and your face is hit with the brightness of the sun. 
You feel the fresh air on your skin and the foul stench of the cell is now gone and you smell the fresh air. You soak it all in because you know this is your last day. You will never see this again. You will never have this opportunity. But instead of taking you to the courtyard where they would scourge you, they force you into a balcony in front of the palace and they set you before the Roman governor. There's another man standing there also. You've seen him before. You even heard him speak. And you suddenly remember, this guy's a rabbi. He's, he's a teacher. He roams the countryside and he speaks about the kingdom of God. And he did a miracle or two. Why is he here? He looks at you. And as he looks at you, something inside you melts. You feel conviction for all the things that you have done wrong. Below, there's a mob of thousands and thousands. They're all shouting and raising their fists. They're all yelling something, but you can't understand what they're yelling. Suddenly, you remember that the soldiers were talking about releasing a prisoner because it was Passover. But it couldn't be you. You know you're guilty of the crimes that you're accused of. And this was not the first time that you had been arrested. And to make matters worse, you killed a Roman citizen, which meant death. With disbelief, you listen as the governor, Pontius Pilate, offers the mob a choice. You or this miracle worker from Galilee that you've heard about. You think to yourself, there's no way that they'll choose me. I'm guilty. This guy, this prophet, this miracle worker, even son of said he's a man of God. He doesn't deserve to die. There's nothing guilty about him. How could they possibly choose me? Your heart stops beating as you hear this crowd scream your name. They wanted you to be released. What about this man? The governor says, what about the king of the Jews? And you hear these blood-curling words, crucify him, crucify him. Your mind reels and you can't think. This can't be happening to me. The guilty one spared? This man, Jesus is his name? The innocent one crucified? Is this a cruel joke? But it wasn't. The soldiers grab you and drag you away. They get you down to the basement and they release your chains and they threaten you with bodily harm if they ever see your face again and kick you out of the palace. You're free. You're free. And you think to yourself, I'm Barabbas and I was just set free. Barabbas for Jesus. The guilty for the innocent. It doesn't seem right. Over the last several months, we've been studying Chapter 18, the Gospel of John. We know that Jesus has been arrested in the garden. We know that he was taken to Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest Caiaphas. He was questioned there, and the abuse that would befall him began. He was then taken to Caiaphas' house, where he was questioned again. And now he stands before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And after careful examination, Pilate exclaims these words in verse 38. I find no fault in him. Pilate doesn't want to execute Jesus. Pilate spoke to the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead and clearly told them that Jesus was not guilty. Pilate went far beyond saying that Jesus was not guilty and worthy of death. 
He found no fault in him. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. So wanting to set Jesus free, he remembers a certain custom where they allowed a prisoner to be freed because it was of the Passover. Look at verse 39. But you have a custom, Pilate is speaking, you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pointing to Jesus. As Jesus, as I said, Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He couldn't find any fault. So he thought that this custom would give them a way of releasing him, of helping him to get rid of Jesus and get him out of his hands so he wouldn't have to make this decision. So Pilate appeals to religious leaders, thinking they would spare a man he named as their king. That's why he calls them king of the Jews. But the crowd thought differently. Look at verse 40. Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Not this man, but Barabbas. Not this man, meaning Jesus, but Barabbas. Barabbas. Who is Barabbas? Who is this guy? Who is this guy that is suddenly set free? And the Son of God goes to a cross in his stead. What do we know about this guy? Nothing at all. Did you know that he never speaks a word in the gospel records? All four gospels mention him by name, and there are 38 verses in the New Testament regarding him. But he never speaks a word. Does he have a family? We don't know. Was he married or single? We don't know. How old was he? We don't know. We can tell you, though, in three short sentences, all we know about Barabbas. Barabbas was guilty. Jesus was innocent. Barabbas lived. Jesus died. But dig further. Dig into the best commentary on the Bible. Dig into the Bible and see what it says. Well, Matthew calls him notorious. Matthew says he was notorious. Mark and Luke says he was the leader of a rebellion and a murderer. Here in the first 40 of Gospel of John, John simply says he was a robber. You go into Acts 3, verse 14, and when Peter is preaching his first sermon on Solomon's porch, he calls Barabbas a murderer. So here you have this. So Barabbas is accused of rebellion, which is known as insurrection. It's when you come against the government and try to overthrow the government. What is really, really poignant here is Barabbas is set free of the exact same crime that they will accuse Jesus of. Barabbas was a cold-blooded killer. He may not even look dangerous, but he was a menace to society. And the word notorious means that everybody knew who he was. He had a rep. Everyone knew he was guilty of the crimes he was accused of. Prison is where he belonged. He was there because of the heinous crimes he committed. Why would anybody want to set him free? On the other hand, it's clear that Pilate struggled mightily to understand the strange man called Jesus standing in front of him. The king of the Jews, as he called him. But Pilate knew this much. Number one, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a rabbi teacher. He wasn't a wealthy man. He was a worker of miracles, he spoke in parables, and he made strange claims about himself, claiming to be the Son of God. He had a very, very large following, and from the looks of these religious leaders, he had some pretty important enemies too. See, Pilate mulled over those things in his mind as he considered the case of who Jesus is. 
Certainly it didn't seem like a threat to anybody. Who can this guy harm? Pilate was, as you say, the cautious politician caught between the verbal rock and a hard place. He was in a bad situation. In fact, you read some of the scriptures that his wife even told him, stay away from this guy. Stay away from this guy. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent, or at least of any crimes that would carry the death penalty. He's going to say at least three times, I find no fault in him. Let me state Pilate's problem in a way that you might be able to understand it. Pilate knew who Jesus was not, but Pilate did not know who Jesus was. I'll say it again. Pilate knew who Jesus was not, but he did not know who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't a criminal. He wasn't a crook, a thief, a bandit, a revolutionary, a murderer. He wasn't a lawbreaker. But Pilate didn't know who Jesus was. Was he a mystic? Was he a visionary dreamer, an idealistic teacher? Or was he something much more? Pilate didn't know that the very truth was standing right before him and was looking into his eyes. Pilate didn't know that the one who holds eternal life in his hands was standing in his presence. Yeah. Pilate caved. He caved into the pressures of the Jews. He caved. But he said, let's have them make a decision. I'm going to offer them a choice. Jesus or Barabbas? Why would they choose Barabbas? That's the major question. Why would they choose Barabbas? Who would choose a murderer over Jesus? What sort of people would prefer a killer to a teacher of the word of God? You must remember several things. That Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest that day, and members of the Sanhedrin had made up their minds. Jesus deserved to die. So they planned and they plotted and they schemed. All the while, their anger got more and more and more, and finally it boiled over. Jesus must die. Judas comes along with a plan. They offer him some money. He grabs the money because he's a moneymonger. Jesus had to die. And once the religious leaders had him in their grips, they weren't going to let him go. They were not going to let him go. They had evidence, never mind if it was trumped up, never mind if it was lies, never mind if it was half-truths. The statement's twisted out of context no matter what. It didn't matter. Jesus must die. Maybe they were so possessed with hatred that they actually preferred a murderer to Jesus. Or perhaps they feared Jesus more than Barabbas. You know, even in saner times, this would not make sense. But these were not sane times. These were not sane times. When a crowd has been whipped up into a frenzy, they believe the worst about the best, and it doesn't matter. Mark 15, 11 tells us that the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have them choose Barabbas. Matthew said the elders were involved, meaning the older men, and they were trying to get the others to go for Barabbas. Well, you know what happens. You've been in a crowd before. All you got to do is stand around and a couple of people look up in the sky. Pretty soon you have 300 people standing around looking up in the sky. All it took is a couple of people to be standing there and go, Barabbas, Barabbas. So different than the other movie. Rudy, Rudy. It's the same thing. You start a frenzy and all of a sudden everybody starts cheering. Everybody wants. Everybody just follows the blind. We want Barabbas. So Pilate, sensing the mood of the people, he hears them. He asks a simple question. He wants to know. In Mark 15, 12, he says, then what do I do with the one called the king of the Jews? But it was too late. The crowd shouts out, crucify him, crucify him. 
Jesus must die. Now we know now that it was God's will. We know that Jesus was being obedient to God. They didn't know. They were choosing a murderer over an innocent man. There's some interesting facts that you need to know about Barabbas. It's pretty cool. When you break down his name, the first part, Bar, means son of. Remember when Jesus said, Simon Bar Jonah? It meant Simon, son of Jonah. Well, you have Bar, is son of, and then you have Abbas. Abba means father. So son of the father. That's what Barnabas's, Barabbas's name means. And what's really interesting, in the real ancient manuscripts in chapter 27 and 17 of Matthew, his name is called Jesus Barabbas. Well, Jesus was a common name back then. His name was called Jesus Barabbas. So their choice was Jesus Barabbas or Jesus of Nazareth. What a choice. Now, to you and I, there probably is no choice. The difference between a murderer and an innocent man. The difference between darkness and light. The difference between good and evil. And even John 3, 19, Jesus said, men preferred darkness over light because their deeds were evil. They wanted Jesus dead. They didn't care what it meant for them or their children. What did it mean for Jesus? More suffering. A brutal, bloody death on a cross. What did it mean for Barabbas? It meant he, the guilty, would go free while Jesus, the innocent, would die in his place. Tradition, Josephus and the such, write about Barabbas. They say that he followed Jesus till Golgotha. They say that he watched the crucifixion. As he looked on, did he recognize the other thief that he had spoken to hanging there? Did he realize that the third cross was supposed to be his? The cross that Jesus was hanging on was supposed to be his? Writer Thomas Whitelaw wrote, wrote about the crowd's choice of Barabbas over Jesus. And he mentions seven words that summarize this monumentous event. He says, quote, It was popular, but the popular choice is often wrong. It was frenzied. When passion rules, judgment dies. It was criminal to prefer a murderer over the prince of life. It was foolish to choose an enemy and reject a friend like Jesus. It was fatal in that it guaranteed judgment to the nation it was predicted in Isaiah 53, and it was overruled by God to bring salvation to the world. Interesting. The world will always choose Barabbas because the world prefers the lawbreaker to the good shepherd. Just like it was then, it is the same today. Christ could never and will never be the world's choice. The world will always choose the opposite. That's why they crucified him. Now, we may feel glad that we don't have to make that decision that Pontius Pilate had to make that day in Jerusalem. But the question still hangs in the air. What shall I do then with Jesus? The choice before us is far more difficult because now we know the truth. Now we know what's going on and who Jesus is. We know that. He believed Jesus to be innocent, but he caved under the pressure and set a criminal free. What will be the end of us who know about the truth about Jesus but still prefer Barabbas? No one can escape this question. We have not read this story rightly if we think that Barabbas is bad because he was a criminal and we are good 
because we're not like him. A couple years ago, my wife and I, Carl and Jody, Diane and Bill, had the incredible pleasure of being in Israel. And one day we went to the old city, and as we were walking on the outside of the old city, we stopped at an unusual place. The place was well manicured, it was beautiful, and there was ramps going up with railings on them. And as we sat there, Pastor Frank from Calvary Vinan took out his Bible and he started to teach on these very verses about Barabbas and Jesus, saying that now scholars believe that where we were seated was the exact grounds where the praetorium was and where this incident took place. After the teaching, he said, I want to give you all a chance to do some reflection and to do some praying. Well, folks, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. We were all pretty emotional at that time. So B and I take a walk up this ramp. We take a walk up this ramp, and we got to this balcony-type thing, and you step out and you look down, and it's the place where they believe that Pontius Pilate stood with Barabbas and Jesus. And B and I, again, eyes full of tears, started to pray while we were there, while we were praying. Something happened. Something happened in my heart. And I can't explain it, but I'm going to try. Something happened in my heart. As we were there, now there's always strange sounds in my head, so don't get crazy, but there was this strange sound in my head. And I couldn't make out what was going on. And we were in prayer, and like I said, we were pretty emotional. But it was the sound of crying out. And at first, I didn't understand what was being said. I didn't know what was being said. There was a sound of voices crying. And I tried to listen, and I couldn't, I couldn't make them out. But suddenly, it became quite clear. I was standing there on that day. I was standing there on that day in the spot where Barabbas stood. Pontius Pilate was here, and Jesus was over there. I was standing there, and I was looking down at this crowd. And that what they were yelling was, give us David. Give us David. And I, I heard them. I heard them as clear as day. And my heart just sunk. And I realized, for the first time maybe ever, I realized something that I never realized before. I realized that I am Barnabas. I am Barnabas. I was set free, and Jesus died in my place. It was never more poignant than that day. Never more poignant than when I saw that and realized that it was true. It happened. And I've read the scriptures tons of times. But on that day, the scripture became so clear to me that I was Barnabas. I'm the murderer. I'm the thief. I'm the criminal. I'm the insurrectionist. I'm the lawbreaker. I'm the rioter. I was in prison. I was held captive by my sin. I was rightly condemned because I'm a sinner. But I was the one that was freed from my punishment. I was the one that was freed from death. And Jesus took my place on that cross. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.